at my grandmother's uh, birthday party or whatnot. So, so um, um hmm? the other main guy that normally uh, does this with me will not be here tonight because of work. Okay. But uh, his brother Jason, um, our kind of the third guy for this, usually is here, but he's usually late. So we should be just fine. Gotcha. Um, let me hang tight real quick. I'm going to grab my charger real quick. All right. I'll be right no back. Worries. Okay. Right there. All right, I'm in. Beautiful. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah, I've um, been out today because I had uh, my grandmother's birthday today. Uh, well, it's tomorrow, but we had a birthday party today, so she's turning 85 tomorrow. So. Yep. Uh, none of my grandparents are alive. None of them made them quite that far. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is my last remaining grandparent. Um, all the other ones they passed away. I think they were in their nineties. I think my grandfather, one of my grandfathers, was eighty. He was like eighty-nine or eighty-eight or something like that. And then my other one, he was ninety. I think he was like ninety-six or something, ninety-four, something like that when he passed. Um, on my dad's side, so wasn't too bad as far as with you know he's pretty much just died of old age. Wasn't anything too bad, you know. What I mean? So I um, what was it? The link that you the when you told me as far as with the work and whatnot. What was that? I couldn't remember. Off the, the link top of my for. Head. I'm sorry. Uh, give me a little bit more context here. What what link are you looking for? You were told me, um, I remember you mentioned something. Um, it was through Facebook. Um, something about work or something. I forget it, what it was. Um, I didn't know because I was, the only thing that I remembered um, was when I mentioned about, uh, let me see, like the idea. Um, I think the one idea was, um, somebody who had the power to like change reality but he changed it through his dreams 
instead. And that was his kind of like his gift, his power was like he would dream, I guess he would dream something. And then I didn't go into further details. It was just like a, a broad general idea um, that I was thinking about. Are you but, talking about my uh, my Analog Kingdom book thing? I think. I think that's what it was. Let me uh, let me recheck your Facebook Messenger because I have a feeling I might have sent you something. Yeah. In that. Um, I'm not sure if you're active on that much or not. Not yet. Um, I just remember you sending that to me. I just I think that may have been a reference to that. I'm not sure exactly. There's a link for Denny's Days. Ah, yeah, I wrote. Send me a description of the work you mentioned in Denny's days for Analog Kingdom. Gotcha. Um, that's really all you got to do is send me that. Because um, it's going to kind of go on a spreadsheet of ideas for later. It's mm -hmm. give me kind of your two minute or two sentence pitch of the idea so that let's say I put this up on a crowdfunding site, people can pick and choose which idea they want to fund to be written. Okay. Like you don't yeah. have to actually write it yet. You wouldn't have to write it until someone pays you for it. Later on, and likely closer to winter, um, if I get a chance to start putting this together, then I'll ask you, well, like, how much would you want to get paid for this? So on and so forth. Okay. Um, so for right now, it's just gathering ideas that would go into this book. Gotcha. And they're, right. and they're short. They don't have to be long stories. Gotcha. I've got to um, go into it a little bit more in terms of how I would want to write it. Because me personally, I like just writing it and just for the fun of it because there's certain days like um just actually just yesterday um um yesterday morning um before i went to dnd it was like not dnd before i went to go play magic with uh, my buddies um it was i think it was around like two o'clock in the morning when i just woke up and then i started writing for my dnd campaign um, and I had the idea, I'm actually making, because remember I told you I was interested in D&D &D in terms mm -hmm. of D&D. Well, the idea that I'm doing, um, you ever watched the movie The Page Master? Yeah. That's the idea I was going towards. Um, but instead, it's going to encompass um, a variety of exit signs, basically the entire library. It's more of like an updated version where you go towards your, there's the anime, there's the, um, you know, of course, the fantasy, fiction, realistic, history, all kinds of stuff. And they basically, it's one of those things where I would take characters out of each of those um, certain encounters inside the books. And what happens is, what's going on is the uh, page master, um, you know, you get your library card. And that library card is almost like your um, RPG, um, where you start off fresh with the character. You come in, and when you check out a book, in a sense, you basically go into this fantasy world and all these guys, you know, the characters that are coming into the campaign, they don't know anything about it. But she says, just follow the exit sign if you get lost. Kind of like how the page master was, but instead they end up getting shot into the um, this fantasy world where they can follow, like uh, in general, basically go anywhere they want to. And each, it's almost like a, um, they'll go in, and then they get sucked into this book, any books, whatever books. Um, I'm actually taking um, anime or manga into consideration as well, because for instance, you might jump into Moby Dick. And how it is, is, is that based upon everybody's decision, what they choose to do, like for instance, you may choose to help and save the whale. 
and end up making Moby Dick your enemy. You end up making, or you make the, I forget exactly his name, um, but you end up making, because um, I think I have to reread Moby Dick, um, but you can end up making enemies depending on your decisions that you make. So, for instance, I'll take Inuyasha for an example. You're into the world of Inuyasha, and let's say, for instance, you decide to, I don't know, um, you see a person there, you end up killing Kikyo. Um, I don't know if you watched any animes and whatnot. Have you watched any, like, Inuyasha or anything? I am a pretty big anime fan. Not so much recent, but Inuyasha is pretty old. I've watched most of the first season, but not okay. in, like, ten years. Gotcha. Well, one of the things, like, you know about Shishomaru and Inuyasha's brother? Uh-huh. Okay, so he's one of the characters. Um, Inuyasha is one of the characters, obviously, Kikyo. Um, and, of course, Naraku. Um, so what happens is, is that based upon, and the whole party, um, it's going to be a total of four people that's going to be playing, based upon their decisions and what they do, they may make enemies, and those enemies would be people who are showing up in-game. So I'm actually making those characters, like for instance, those characters, let's say, for instance, they're all level three, um, the players are level three, they'll enter it, and that's why I say each of the worlds during each session can change based upon their levels. And I can obviously, each of these characters that I create, they're gonna be customized characters. So I've actually customized various characters based upon how they are, the D&D style. Mm. So they'll enter that world and they may see like an incident, like they'll enter and they basically pick a side of what they wanna do right then and there in that story. And then say for instance, you know, um, One Piece may be an example as well. That's actually one of them, one of the worlds they can enter is One Piece. Now, they may make an ally with Luffy based upon a decision that they did and then come in game when everybody's level 20, you may have Luffy as a friend or an enemy. So in a sense, it's like, okay, you got your four characters who are your, you know, regular four players. And then you got every single person is going to have an arch enemy. This would actually fit very well into the style of the Analog Kingdom thing. Um, what I would ask for a contribution to that book would be probably like an excerpt. So yes. it would be a nice test drive for a portion you have polished out where you don't necessarily have to have all of it done up yet. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's actually a, it's a good jumping off point for one of the main things too is to, to get some kind of a use out of a piles and piles of unused ideas. Like you got mm -hmm. the ideas for it, but it was never written. The incentive yeah. to write some of it at least would be that someone's paying you to do it. Um, the other incentive is for people that have these massive stories they want to write, you can get like a sampler out. Like one of the guys I'm having do it would insert part of a script. Yeah. And then you get it out there. It would be, and maybe people would be interested in it or not, but at least you have it down somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. It does not have to be complete works. Because... Okay. Generally, the framework would be that your ex, your portion for each story, and there's going to be an author doesn't have to have just one story or one section. Um, yeah. It would be like a one to five page short. Gotcha. Um, and, and that that's flexible, obviously, but it's going to be full of lots of art zini type stuff too, like an imaginary gotcha. band and things of that nature. Okay. This thing yeah, is supposed to be a cultural compendium that does not necessarily have to do with the world. It could all be bits and pieces of a culture that could later on be a portion of it. Um, the world's framework is kind of like this junkyard universe between the channels. That's sort of like where unused imagination goes until it's ready to be used again. Yeah, 
I got you. And see, like, and then so that's where, like, I got so many, like, ideas. Like, obviously, that one stemmed from my D&D campaign. And also, like, the idea, um, I don't really, I'm going to say this, I typically don't like, quote-unquote, happy endings for, like, the good guys. I typically like realistic endings where it's just like, okay, you know, this character, for instance, um, I don't know if you ever read, you ever heard of like the book called Aragon? I've heard of it. I've not read it. I'm not big into the fantasy stuff. I got more into sci-fi. Well, with this one right here, I actually ended up getting an Aragon because I love dragons. They're one of my favorite fantasy type creatures because it's there's such a variety of characters with dragons. You can go to the dumb, you know, animalistic, just, you know, brute dragon. And then you have that highly intelligent dragon that will sit there and hold a conversation with you. And if you can hold a conversation with them, suddenly they find interest in you. And you're not just some dumb brute here to take their treasure type thing. You know, those type of stuff. So it's, when I read Aragon, I actually read the, it's called The Inheritance Cycle. Um, Aragon didn't necessarily have a happy ending. Um, He did not get the girl that he wanted. He ended up having to take on the responsibilities of being, you know, the new dragon rider and master and having to go off into the land of, I believe, where the original dragon riders are and leave his family behind to train the new dragon, the new age dragon riders, because he took on that responsibility. You know, he went from like a farmer, a little farmer boy, to this, you know, dragon rider master who has his scars and he has to take on this responsibility where his you know his elf friend um the female um who he loves he can't be with her you know what i mean realistically he can't he takes on the responsibility he can choose to but the responsibilities of everything that he has to the dragon race and rebuilding them he takes that on as a character and i like that realistic approach towards it not just oh you know they live happily ever after type crap you know what i mean it's more realistic style approach to a fantasy realm. um well there's a few ways you can do endings there's that what you call realistic which could be the kind of ambiguous ending where things don't always go good or right but they can be a little bit of both ambiguous mm-hmm. i guess is what i want to say um yeah and then there's uh there's the Japanese ending, which are the no endings. They kind of end abruptly. Think think Sopranos. And the Japanese culture has a thing artistically for Im- imperfection, like irregularity, and then unfinished yeah. items because you're expected to finish it yourself, each viewer, and therefore engage the viewer more. Mm-hmm. Now, to American audiences, that pisses us off. We're used to these <laughs> tidy bows. Yeah. And we're used to having our endings black and white, comic book style, like it's good or it's bad. I mean, you could have bad endings, think, you know, Tales from the Crypt or whatever. Yeah. But Americans like to have their shiny, bright, complete endings. Yeah. Which is why Sopranos pissed so many people off. Oh. Their ending was a fade to black with no explanation in the Mm. middle of a very dramatic tense scene. Or somebody was going to die, like the main character was going to die, and it just ends without telling you whether he did or not. It just went to black to the point <laughs> that they thought their, like, cable cut out. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing is, is, like, I like those type of endings sometimes because, say, for instance, all right, and I, I hate to use this as a reference, but, like, the Twilight series, um, there was the the last 
like ending of Twilight because I did read the books. The books weren't bad. Um, movies, they kind of like glittered it up a little bit, obviously, though, to gear it towards a certain audience, though. But what ended up happening was the ending of uh, Twilight, um, people actually, like fans of the book, end up writing a um, different extensions of that left, the final book. So, like, for instance, they actually made a, um, it was, uh, what was it? Because it was like uh, Breaking Dawn, and then it said Eternal Day. It was a person who was a fan of the book, right, of the book, um, wrote, it's called Eternal Day. And it actually puts, um, how can I say, puts them into a situation where they actually did have to fight. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool, though, that the fact that it made, like, you know, you have people who are um, the audience um, who would sit there and they create their own imagination of what happens. Um, they create their own, I guess, their, they use their own thoughts, opinions, and how they feel the, you know, the story continues. You know, and I don't think that's such a bad writing. Like, I don't think that's a bad idea. That's actually pretty well, if nice. It's, if it's done intentionally, sure. Um, that's kind of one of my driving factors behind a lot of my artwork too, is that I not only make it interactive, but I don't like to explain it because I like yeah. to hear other people, what they think about it. And then it kind of takes on this multi-universe alternate universe effect, whereas this one singular item could have multiple different meanings across different people. And I, I like the idea where there's an, the analog kingdom is kind of a story like that too, because there'll be alternate versions. So think if you wrote the story, but you got a point where you can go two different ways. There's four different versions of the book and you don't, I won't tell anyone there's four different versions. Yeah. So your story in one version could be different than it could go a different way than it will in another version. So I encourage that um, because I want to see like, here's this moment in time where something, one little thing changes and your story is entirely different. Yeah. And it's if it becomes, I mean, not that I expect it to be this big fan-driven series, but say there were fans of it, would they ever notice that there's these differences? Yeah. Like, because I would have four different listings on Amazon, and I don't know which one you'd order, but you would get one of them, and let's say your friend ordered the same book, would you notice there'd be two different versions? That's would you true. Notice differences? Yeah, that's true, because... And it also depends on, see, that's where, like with me, I like writing things and like letting people interpret what it is, not just saying it directly. I don't like sitting there and like spelling it out for people. Like, um, for instance, even if it's something as simple as, remember the, um, the poem I wrote, it was as basic as a man getting a woman's phone number. But the way I described it, you would think this guy is just like, wow, this amazing, like, woman, this almost like siren has him under this kind of spell, when in reality it's just his, you know, it, it's, you would think it's some kind of fantasy, when in reality it's like, wait, hold on, he's just getting a woman's number, you know what I mean? And, and he's working it, it out, he's working it up in his head to be this epic. Yes, it's so epic in his mind, because, you know, our brains the way the, the human brain works, there's so many things that we see that in reality, it's not exactly what it seems. Our brain tricks us sometimes. Yeah, I have a feeling that's an exceptionally personal story. As in, 
hmm, this is what I do. Let's write a story about that. Yes, you know, or it's not even just, you know, personal things. I like writing things like different moments in time and situations that occurs in life with people where it's just, oh, this is what happened here and this is what happened here. You know, from my other people's perspective, they may think it's really dumb. Like, wow, why would that person be so stupid? But from their perspective, it's perfectly logical. You know, even if it wasn't logical, it's still okay. You know, I mean, it's still right. It feels they, it's their that driven emotion that they feel that it's what they should be doing. You know, at that moment in time. You know, we think like there's just like you know, I'm pretty sure people we have our moments where we just look and be like, what was I thinking? Or what was that person thinking? You know, so and so was like, what were, what, were, what were they thinking about in that moment? You know, from the outside looking in, it seems different. But when we view things like from our own perspective, it's almost like, how can I say this? It's almost like sometimes our, we work it out to be more than what it actually is. Um, yeah. I mean, not everyone is like that. Um, the artistic type are almost always like that. But there's plenty of people that go through their day a lot more surface level brain dead. Um, mm -hmm. The vast majority of people are. And then there's, you know, the people that are highly creative where you can't go through life without having that fantasy element to it. Like your yeah. life would be void and meaningless and dull without yeah. working up every situation into being something more important than it might be. That's true. I mean, for instance, taking, um, uh, just life in general, just going out and seeing nature. Okay, yeah, the, the wind blowing, it's pretty simple things. You know, the leaves fall, you know, seasons change. If you look at it in a, you know, simplistic way, it can be seen boring. But if you go outside with this, like, grand scheme, like, you know what, I'm going to go outside and enjoy it, enjoy life, and suddenly you're looking at this beautiful painting, this, um, this, this chaotic world how random it is and you're just like wow look at this bird you just and all of a sudden you're just looking at life from a whole different perspective and it's just like this fantasy perspective where it's just oh wow it's chaotic you're beautiful um i've got this poem i wrote a while ago it's called the moment each stanza is a different moment in my life that had this significant importance where i recognized it perhaps and it stemmed from a period of time in my life where I traveled a lot. Like I went to Europe and Japan. And um, when I was in college, I went to San Antonio and across the U.S. And it didn't come to me until I was sitting down. Um, I went to like a, during my IT degree, when I was at Kent State Ashtabula, we went to a conference in San Antonio. And I was kind of in the middle of the students there. The ones older than me kind of were like the kind that had failed most of their life and went to college because they had nothing better to do and partly to pay their rent. Um, and then there's the younger sorts who were the traditional students. Mm -hmm. And in this particular one, it was the first one the faculty advisors couldn't go. So to the younger people, I kind of became like a, the old storied guy. So we sat down for dinner and I would explain to them like, don't just come here for this IT conference, come here and see this place. Like mm -hmm. there was one professor's children that were with me who had never been to an art museum in their life Whoa. and they were in their 20s and I was going anyway so I'm like just come along with me this particular museum's free anyways 
Yeah. Uh, and then we went to the Alamo and I, cause I had a whole itinerary of like, look at all this cool shit. And they showed up just thinking they were going to the conference. I'm like, dude, look at all the cool shit here. Like there was a Dick's restaurant down the road. I'm like, fuck yeah. It's a restaurant <laughs> where they treat you like shit. Yeah. Um, so I, I got to, I didn't, was ever able to articulate it, but there's this point in every of these big trips where I call the moment. It's usually in the middle of the trip where like you've blown through half your itinerary you're sitting down and it's then when you're actually present and you get to kind of like, wow, that was some cool shit. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of blow through the second half of your trip and then you're home. Yeah. So I was explaining, I, I finally gave it a, a title then. And then I wrote this poem about it. And of course it includes some other elements in my life, like kissing for the first time my ex-wife and then later on the woman that would become my son's mother. And then the birth of my child was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's these significant moments in your life where you actually are present enough to recognize that beauty of it, where most of your life, you're kind of just blowing through it. Yeah. And, and then you, like you said, you'd go outside and you'd look at the birds and look at all the simplicity and go, holy shit, look at all this that I've been around for five years and just now noticing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting too, because I was uh, reading um, a book. Um, how remember? I think I told you guys about it. How uh, how not to give a is it? How, how not, not to give a fuck? Yeah, how not to give a fuck. I think like, and, I, I've seen that a lot lately at uh, like Target and Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> it was um it was just interesting like how you know how when I sit back. Um, and even thinking back on my younger years, how, you know, I was always trying to rush here, rush here, but I still had that the same mentality because of like the same personality where I like to sit back and just appreciate the moment, appreciate what's going on, take everything in instead of always worrying about tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Oh, I got to hurry up and get this done because this has to get done and hurry up, you know, X, Y, Z and just rushing working like a robot and realizing just sitting back like oh fuck tomorrow may not even come for me yeah i it's been years since i've been able to actually do that and the last few times i was able to do that was either on a trip like being away from all of where you normally are i'm hypomanic so i move constantly i babble constantly Mm -hmm. um so i rarely sit still enough for that and then my birthday present to myself every year is that there's a day I'm not allowed to work or at least an evening, like when I get off work. Yeah. Because otherwise I would fill my time with like, you know, an art project or something on my computer or my kid or something else or, yeah. you know, housework, mm-hmm. basic shit. Cause I'm anal retentive about organization because yeah. I'm like a junk hoarder. It's funny you say that because there was a thing in there. Um, it was a different book, How to Manage Your Day to Day Base. Uh, How to Manage Your Days, and it actually says that um, what you just said, where it says you need to take time and literally just be like, nope, this is your like, even if it's for like an hour, where you will literally don't do anything else. Like you're not going to like, for instance take phone calls or you're not going to sit here and check your email. You're not going to do this. You're literally going to step back and enjoy yourself for, even if it was just for an hour, you know what I mean? Remove yourself from those constants that you're doing every single day. You know what I mean? It says take a moment just to step back and, and it actually like 
we actually do need that. Um, some people obviously, you know, choose not to do that because that's just how they are. Um, but even then, you know, at the end of the day, we still need to step back and just breathe, you know, even if it's for a moment. There's you know? exceptional value in that statement and it's very valid for all humans. I just don't do it. Um, <laughs> I, if I sit still too long, I fall asleep. Um, and not just because I work 60 hours a week in four days and then have mm -hmm. my kid for three or two. I have one day yeah. a week where I might be able to do everything and it's playing catch up. Mm -hmm. um, so that's part of it. And if I sit still, I'll fall asleep. But I've always been like that. Yeah. If I get sit still for too long, I'll fall asleep and get bored. Sure. I mean, so, I mean, and that's that's a personality quirk. But you're right. Yeah. There is value in that statement, and that is something that I definitely should do, because it, well, I would certainly have a lot less anxiety if I did that. Well, it works in that aspect because, like for instance, for me, um, what I found works for me personally. That's you know, just how my personality is, you know, I can work that go, 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 go fast pace. You know what I mean? I can't do that. Um, you know, eat you know, eat pressure for breakfast, constantly moving. I've had my days where I only had a couple hours of sleep and then I moved on to the next hours working and you know, I used to work seven to seven or there's days when I'm working seven days a week, you know, things like that. But then just me personally, um, just taking that step back and just be like, all right, breathe for a brief moment, read a book, write some poetry you know, just step back. That's my personality. Mainly what it is, is, is just doing something that you're passionate about. You know what I mean? It's, and there's actually a video, um, I follow the guy on Facebook. He's actually pretty interesting. Um, he says that, um, his viewpoint, which I'm still learning about, I can't exactly say whether or not it's, you know, 100% true or not though, but he says that there's uh, one thing that the church doesn't teach you is that we may actually what the actual true God is and that we are that God, that we as human beings, that we're extensions of this existence. I wanna, um, I wanna, I'm listening. I'm, I can still hear you. That we're this extension of this being, this existence, and we're all actually connected and he mentioned something which actually struck me as a, a pretty valid point um he said have you ever had that moment where suddenly you're just working and you're not necessarily working but you're doing something and you're so passionate about it that you don't feel like you're working and time just suddenly flies by where you're suddenly just into it you're focused you're not distracted by anything you're just focus zoomed on whether it's you know drawing a painting fixing a car or something you're just so zoomed in and focused on that that you suddenly forget what's going on around you you're suddenly happy you're not worried about being exhausted you're not tired you're just focused and then suddenly you're just like oh wow i just you know oh look it's five o'clock in the morning i didn't even know that time went by you know that's that moment where we actually, as ourselves, that extension of this God, that we ourselves are actually the like we are actually the ones who are, you know, connected like a, um, that entity. We're not, you know, praising no God. We're actually the extension of this God ourselves. This is just this entity learning 
through like learning in the universe. This is the entity, this is an extension. We're all part of one being. We're just parts learning through this world. There's a couple of things. One, what you're talking about, I mean, that is kind of my moment is my arting. Um, and, but my version of it's very manic and like energy driven. Um, mm-hmm. And there is a lot of my artwork that is, they're like assemblages that are manically, like especially, I've been doing little action figure mashups, like taking broken action figures and sticking hardware on them and turning them into little pirate crew members for my kid. Those and a lot of past um, assemblages are like, here's a bunch of shit laying around me and I get into some kind of zone where I'm not really thinking about what I'm making. I'm mm-hmm. just putting things together until like kind of subconsciously until it turns into this thing. Um, yeah. That's kind of my version of it where I shut off my brain. And then there's most of my art projects are meticulously planned out and thought about up here. And then mm-hmm. they still have a little bit of that manic element as I go along, a lot of improvisation. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I had one other point I was going to make and my memory already fucked me up. <laughs> I, um... Oh, that's what I was going to say. Socrates, I think it's Socrates. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Socrates? I don't know. Um, oh, Plato. Plato's paradoxes of home I wrote that was about this idea. In one interpretation of one of Plato's works is that said, knowledge is not, huh? You said Plato. Yeah, I mean Plato. I meant Plato. Okay. I yeah. gotcha. I, do I keep saying four other names? No, no, no. I actually just downloaded all of Plato's work. I was going to start reading it. I had like an intro to philosophy class that I needed as a humanity. I, I love the argument, but reading some of the works fully are really dry. I just like the argument about it. But one of like an interpretation of one of Plato's works is that knowledge is not something that's contained within the human. It was seeking to kind of a spiritual sense where knowledge is sort of this eternal truth that humans tap into or latch onto. So all of these ideas and thoughts are always there. It's just that we happen upon them, tap into them somehow, and that's when we're getting inspiration. Think like a manifestation of the muses in like a Christian element. Um, and I wrote a poem about this, like uh, what if all of the knowledge that ever existed was at your fingertips? What if you could tap into everything that was ever thought? And what would you do with that power? What would it turn you into? And I played it like, um, like a Socrates cafe where I didn't answer anything in that poem. It's all questions about what would you do? Yeah. So the whole poem is a big question. Every line is more or less a question mark. Okay. But that's the idea is that like you were talking about is that the knowledge is there always. You're just suddenly part of it. Yeah. And that's where like, um, I actually, um, I gotta say, like, a part of me agreed with them on that aspect because it feels almost like, you know, we're we're constantly seeking knowledge, and once we start tapping into it, and I think a lot of people, you know, I think I guess some people get, I don't know, defensive about it. They believe that there's this God, this being, when in them reality i don't believe that that's actually you know that's just i'm gonna say this some people i believe use that as an excuse not to actually question things you know what i mean use that almost as a, i guess they use that as a scapegoat when in reality 
I believe that we all are just, you know, we're humans. We do some fucked up things, but what's right and what's wrong is ultimately decided upon ourselves. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people use religion as a way not to think so that they have absolutes. Whereas what I think the true meaning of spirituality is to expand yourself to thinking more and to thinking more cosmically than thinking um, just about yourself or just about the human race. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I mentioned before too, it's like one of the few ways that I might do that thing where you take yourself a moment is I do journaling. I write in my journal and a lot of that will often turn into works, poems or whatever. That's why most mm-hmm. of my poems are about me. Um, it's because I journal and then I turn it into shit or I make up an imaginary story about something that did or didn't happen to me. Um, but it it runs through in my head. Um, I have one of those very vivid imaginations where I'm constantly thinking out like how the scenario would go. I daydream so much. I don't really dream dream. Um, but I, my son's mother, I dated off and on for years and she's Christian and I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I would go to her church service with her once for her and two, because that's where my son was. Yes. So if I want an extra time with him, I'll go and sit in the service and then pick him up and do our thing. And he liked playing with the other kids in the Sunday school class. Yeah. But what I would do during those sermons is kind of take it as a meditation and do journaling. And mm-hmm. sometimes it would be related to what the guy was saying. And sometimes I'm not even paying attention to him. I'm, I've got something in my head. I want to work out on paper. Yeah. So then it's there and whether or not it leads to anything, it's at least out of me. Gotcha, gotcha. So I stop obsessing. I have one of my like anxiety quirks is forgetting things because I'm mm-hmm. hypomanic. My short-term memory is shit. So I write everything down. My long-term memory is fantastic, but to get it there, there's a big hiccup between the middle. So I write everything down and I have yeah. this obsessive, like I had to take it to my computer so that it was organized enough to ever access again. So I have this obsessive amount of terabytes of data of notes on shit and journals and videos and whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at my YouTube page, it's full of random bullshit. <laughs> um, and that's why it's organized into playlists. Oh, nice. oh yeah, I've got all kinds of shit. But when you're talking about the idea of God, uh, it came up to me in that thought came to me as a story about a friend of mine that passed away when she was 21. It was the, I don't have really anybody close to me that died. I wasn't close to any of my grandparents. My mother's parents, I hated. They were terrible people. My dad's parents, I didn't, I didn't know his mother very much. She was a decent enough person, but she died when she was 60. My dad's father took off on him. And the only time I ever saw him was at his funeral. The guy in the casket looked like an older version of my dad. Exactly like an older version of my dad. So that image blew the fuck. I know that destroyed my dad. He's one of those macho, like, don't deal with your emotions type much. And seeing that, you could visibly see this look on his face. The horror he saw of basically seeing himself in a casket. Mm-hmm. Especially because he had had to deal with his mother's death a few years earlier. And his mother raised six kids all on her own. She got married three times and none of them worked out. So, and then the last one was a stepfather that my dad fought with so much that he skipped, he left when he was 16. He was a street kid. He spent most of his nights on the street in Madison. It's a small podunk town, but he spent most of his nights on the street because his mother was working. And then a guy came in and tried to put down authority. 
So what's a teenager yeah. gonna do? Oh fuck you. Yeah, be defiant like you grew up. You know what I mean? That's how you never grew out of that fuck you defiant attitude ever. <laughs> um, but you could see this look on his face. His mother hit him really hard. He, it was probably the only family he cared about. He gives a shit about most of his siblings because most of them are assholes too. Um, but his mother really hit him hard. And then he knew his dad was a piece of shit. He even tried to reconcile with him. He came back from Florida and kind of got into some trouble and met my mother and knocked her up and stayed with his dad for a little bit. It lasted about a week when he found out his father was still waking up in the morning with Jack. And the reason his mother divorced him was because the guy was an abusive alcoholic. Yeah. So he, he took the fuck off and he said, no, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. And skipping from house to house and he was stealing gas and he got arrested. He met my mother in a county lockup and she got bailed out and he knocked her up. Whoops. Well, um, that would be the story of where I came from. <laughs> yeah, I, um, when it comes down to like my mom and them, like my family, interesting enough, it's it's kind of like pseudo. I recognize them, but because I didn't necessarily grow up with them close, it's almost like it's the idea of being close with them that I get upset about sometimes that'll make me like, I'm not crying because that person passed away because I have a, a mutual, I have a, a understanding that we all live, we all die. That's life. I don't look at a person's death like, oh my goodness, you know, that that's blood. That's, you know, I look at it as you're an animal. You just died. Okay. You live, you die. You know what I mean? It's of old age of food or for whatever reason. So, I kind of look more at it in a sense, like, you know, if you want to call it the laws of the jungle. You know what I mean? I don't sit there like my dad, he was a hunter. He liked to hunt. So his dog's hunting. I didn't care for that. But when he went to hunt, he hunt, one, not for sport, but to actually just hunt food. And I respected him for that part. Um, but at the same time, I didn't grow up with him. You know, I knew, you know, I kept being able to see him here and there, but it was one of those things where it's like, you know, my mom made it hard for me to actually see him, you know, but me as a kid, I didn't know. So when it came down to it, I actually ended up learning, like, why I couldn't see my dad as often until later on, when my dad explained to me, says it was really hard talking to my mom sometimes, because she was hurt pretty bad with what was going on, and honestly, I didn't even ask for an explanation of what happened between them, you know what I mean? I didn't, just didn't even care enough to bother with asking, you know, my dad told me, I went in here, one out the other. My mom told me I went in one ear and out the other because the way I looked at it was, I was just like, you know, honestly, I've always been that free person where it's just like, I make new connections. Those connections break. I make new connections with somebody else and so on and so forth. Who stays, who stays, who goes, who goes. It is what it is. That's life. You know, I've always been that type of person. You know what I mean? Just going about it. And it's the same thing, even relationships. You know, there have moments where, um, like, I'm going to say, like, my um, my aunt would die. One of my aunts died. Or no, actually, um, one of my uncles had died on my dad's side. Now, I recognized them. I've seen them here and there. Like, you know, whenever I came into town, someone support for school, or whenever I came past and actually saw him, 
um, really cool guy, but I didn't know him on a deeper level. And then when I cried at his funeral, um, people asked me, they were like, oh, you know, you, you, did you know him, this and this? And I was like, honestly, I knew of him. And he seemed like a cool person that I wish I did. That's where it's like, makes it sad for me. It's like, damn, I wish I, you know, had that type of, you know, connection with some people where it's like, oh, damn, I wish I had um, that type of personality, you know. But it makes dealing with life and death pretty easy for me. Um, more Well, not easy, but more simplistic and understandable where it's like, okay, somebody passed, like, for instance, if my mother passed, yes, I will cry. I will be sad about it, but because of the type of person I am, I know that it will happen one day. Now, if she dies before me, I don't know. It's, um, I didn't ever really get emotional enough to cry about thing, anything until my son was born. Well, mm-hmm. there was a one breakdown after my divorce, um, and then that was it. Like, I didn't cry at all for my divorce except once, and that was watching SpongeBob. And things, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Like, when he lost Gary. Something about that hit me, and that was that was it. But um, I mean, I went to plenty of funerals. I do well at them because I don't get emotionally attached. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm the kind of guy that wants to try to be helpful. Yeah. Um, and I had a few second cousins die. One of my cousins' fathers, no one I really knew. I had an uncle recently who died of suicide. I knew him personally, but not closely. Wasn't yeah. close to my grandparents. Uh, I mean, I I'll be pretty sad when my parents die, but we have a. We have a strained relationship, even though I see him every week. Uh, my father's terminally ill, so his time is running out. But he, despite his problems, growing up, he worked 70-hour weeks in five days so that he'd have the weekends off with his kids. Yeah. So he, he busted his ass for kids, and that's not something I'm really appreciated till I had my own. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he also sold pot to my brother's friends and was still kind of never grew out of that party bore mentality. Yeah. Um, but he he grew up not having a father, so when he accidentally had a kid with my mother, he was bound and fucking determined to have that nuclear family as yeah, much as he yeah. possibly could. And try he did really well. It didn't always work well. Um, and my parents are still together, but more because of what else are they going to do? My dad's dying. My My dad has supported my mother through several prison incarcerations. So, yeah, like, it's her right. penance to take care of him until he dies. Well, I mean, but then a kid happens and it rewires your whole fucking mind. No shit. Um, that's another thing to me because when I can say this, when it comes down to like the decisions we make, I believe that, like I said, when it comes down, there's a um you know, fine line when it comes down to, like, right and wrong, and a lot of times, um, you know, when people make the decision to just, you know, hey, for instance, leave a relationship or choose to stay, and there's, like, for instance, they may be in an abusive relationship, um, a lot of times, you know, like, for instance, like, for my sister Buttons, when she used to get fight with her, uh, her ex, uh, Sharon, and I'm talking about, like, fighting, like, dogs and dogs you know what I mean literally just scrapping at each other I used to see her swinging on him him swinging on her just back and forth just fights and my mom used to just jump automatically and I know you know from her perspective being a mom that's just her decision on that one right there and I sat back and I didn't feel sorry for the fact that my sister was getting to a fight with him 
You know, I mean, I love my sister. Don't get me wrong. I love her. I care about her. But she chose and she made the decision. Now, whether or not it was the right or wrong decision, that's entirely up to her because for her, it was right to stay with him. It was right to help him go through this. You know what I mean? Even though her um, ex, Rotman, um, was a drug dealer and gave up that entirely the moment he found out that my sister was pregnant and he was like, I'm not bringing my daughter into this. I'm going to go ahead and get a factory job. Lazy as fuck. But he did that for his daughter. You know what I mean? Like the fact that my sister respects a guy who came out of jail and did all this stuff. That's why I say like, when it comes down to our decisions where we make, you know, we are our own creators for what we choose to do in life. Now, do we know what's going to happen in the future? I don't believe so. Um, but I do know that we, I believe that, like, for instance, if we come to accept the fact that we will die, um, and sometimes it's hard to accept that, you know, you can see, like, for instance, with celebrities, how they do all these, like, plastic surgeries and stuff, you know, that immortality. Um, the, act the idea of, of legacy was a huge part of my art until I had my kid. And then, yeah. well, actually coming up to it, I started to reverse it and had more of an obsession with the natural decay of things. So I had projects outside with plants. Mm-hmm. and so like how, how that would get reclaimed over time yeah like it's it's funny because if we look at just the basic animalistic survival instinct procreation what's the best way to secure our legacy than to procreate you know yeah. we know that we will partially live on through our children so that's why it's such a game changer when it comes down to when we have kids. One of my collections is this thing I call people I don't know. And because mm-hmm. I'm a trash picker for my art, I come across lots of people's old photos and videos and things like that. Mm-hmm. So two days ago, this is trash picking season when they do like the big spring cleanups. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're a few months off because of COVID, but they, they rescheduled them. So one of my last stops was at this auction house and I came across just boxes and boxes of this guy's photos and um, notes and slides. His name was David Pierce. He was a gay man who clearly survived through the AIDS epidemic of the 70s and 80s. Um, Has this terrible like um, glamour shots picture with his dog. (laughs) But also had archaeological tools in Egypt and notes and photos inside of tombs and things like that. Oh, and wow. like he printed out emails and whole textbooks about notes about this stuff. And like, I have this mountain of this guy's shit that was in bumfuck Egypt in Perry, Ohio, being thrown out of an auction house after he died clearly. And some rando like me comes across this guy's entire life. And that's yeah. all that's left of him. I mean, if he was gay, he likely never had children. It's not like yeah. he would adopt easily during the era he grew up in. That's true. That's true. So, and he probably wouldn't have a genetic child. No. So it's it's just weird how that all of this guy's life exists, and he had this amazingly interesting life. Yeah. That's, that's I have an idea for that as like a web series or something. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, That's it's not my first time finding cool-ass shit like that and, like, these weird-ass found random people. See, that's the, the interesting part about it. Like, that's why I got a um, – I like the idea of chaos. 
I love chaos because don't don't get me wrong. Like for instance, whenever I play Magic, um, whenever I build my decks, I typically don't run under the aspect of white. Reason why I don't run under white is because each aspect of Magic. You ever play Magic? No. Um, I don't have the attention span for most of those role playing or card games. Mm-hmm. Um, I lose interest really easily. I'm capable of them. Like I'll have the imaginative element of it. Mm-hmm. Um. When it comes to D&D stuff, it's the attention span. When it comes to card games, my mother ruined all card games for me. Oh, what happened? I hate them all with a passion. I won't even play them with my son, except for one card game called Flux, because I know my mother could never play it. <laughs> she's, she went to prison a lot. She's a card shark, and she's mm-hmm. fiercely competitive and would punish me if I won. So I'm not happy with those things i hate them mm-hmm. no it's but it comes to, hmm? there's nothing wrong with everyone else enjoying them i'm not going to shit on someone else's parade oh no you're fine um when it comes down to like magic basically the reason why i actually enjoyed magic or enjoy magic is because it actually it stems into a lot of philosophy um, with personality, with the color wheel, they have, you know, your um, white being the uniform, society, ways of society, you have to, like certain people, everything has a certain way, um, almost like a socialist point of view, where it's everything has to be, you know, we're all not individuals, we're all one society. And if you go outside of those norms, you know, you get penalized for it, even like amongst everybody. Blue being the intelligent, you know, thinking for yourself, uh, knowledge is power, and, you know, gaining intelligence. No, no, no. Think before you act. We're not emotional, logical. Red being the fire, passion. Um, think on your emotions. What drives you? Um, do what you feel like doing. Green being nature. You know, everything has a place in, in the world. Natural order, you know, survival of the fittest. And then black being the selfish doing whatever it takes to fulfill your own desires and your own um even if it means doing things that people consider wrong you still would do it anyways because it meets your ultimate objective and that's where it's like i enjoy that aspect when it comes down to the philosophy of it that it's not just black or white it's a variety of um personalities when it comes down to people's um you know that how can i say this um when you take a combination of those colors those personalities you create something and that's where i like the idea of chaos because you know that's why i typically don't use light because i like chaos when something randomly happens even if it's because um i don't know if you ever see those like uh any movies or anything like that where like they show something and they like maybe drop a, a pin and then that pin there's like a ripple effect of how one decision affects the world. The butterfly effect? Yes. There you go. You know, it's, it's one thing that, like, you know, just one thing that you do can affect. That's a strong artistic idea of mine, especially in the analog kingdom, whereas there's this one moment that can go a hundred different ways and drastically change what happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. My poem, The Moments, about that too. It's like without these one moments, how would things have been so much different in my life? Yeah. But it's that it, it, it could have gone a thousand ways and somehow all conglomerated into this one way. 
Um, you ever heard of the uh, comic book writer slash director Jeff Johns? Mm-mm. He's uh, he's done a ton of shit. Um, he's known as a continuity fixer in the comics. He ran all the CW shows for a while, like the DC Comics CW shows. Yeah. Um, and then he went back to comics to write a Watchmen slash DC crossover. It was a pet project that he just fucking loved. He's great at making these elaborate, connective stories that will connect a million disparative elements into one thing that sounds logical. Um, Organized chaos is kind of his thing, and it's something I'm attracted to. One of his major contributions to Green Lantern before he left was something called the emotional spectrum. Oh, yeah. There is the Green Lantern, but then there's a color for each of the colors of the Roy G. Biv rainbow, and each stands for an emotion, and all those characters have powers. And then he made those fit a lot of characters that already existed. Mm-hmm. So um, what he calls purple is actually, it looks more pinkish because it's the star sapphires. And their mm-hmm. emotion is love. And then there's green, which is will. And green was chosen by the Guardians as will because it stands at the middle of the emotional spectrum. So henceforth, the most stable. And as you go either way on the spectrum, you get less stable or positive and more negative the other way. So if you go one over to yellow on the negative side, you get fear. Mm -hmm. And then next to that, you get orange, which is avarice. And then next to that, you get rage, which is red. But if you go all the way to the further end, you get black and that's death. Going the other way, blue is hope next to thing and the way they fit is it like the general idea is that will is in the center of fear and hope mm-hmm. like it's the between combination of the two yeah and then if you go further down the line each one would kind of go the same way whereas love is halfway between fear and rage or fear and avarice i guess is the way they would go let's see what's it blue um they use indigo too blue green Indigo, indigo would be compassion, mm-hmm. um, which is between hope and love, I think. Yeah, somewhere like so, that. You get the general idea. So each stands for an emotion. Then he made a bunch of characters that and that um, kind of go along with it. It's that idea that each color would represent an emotion. And if you're working in the world where everything is a mix of every color, all emotions and people are a combination of all these colors and powers. Yeah. I actually read up on that. Um, like I said, Blackest like, Night is where it really kicked off. That was like the culmination of it. See, that's where I actually looked into that um, with the color spectrum because I was curious um, about like whether or not there'd be more with the green. And then I saw the fear, obviously watching the uh, Ryan Reynolds film uh, with that one. Um, I didn't take, like, I'm going to say this. I didn't like bash that movie too much when it came down to it because the Green I Lantern still... movie blew. <laughs> the Green Lantern movie blew. Yeah, it, it was bad, but I'm optimistic with stuff because I'm like, hey, I take it as a whole. And I'm like, I'm gonna look into this and wonder why the movie blew. That's where I kind of stemmed into it. And I looked into the Green. I was like, oh, that's where they kind of messed up on some stuff. Um, yeah, okay. Um, but looking into the color spectrum, and then I found out there was one person who. What was it? There was a few people in the comics where they mastered all the colors of the spectrum. Where they had, like, I think they had one ring. What was it? A white ring or something? Where he mastered all of them. Yeah, for a short while, Kyle Rayner wore the white ring, um, and mm-hmm. that was it. There's like 
one panel where like all the rings show up to him at once and go on his hand all at once. And that's mm-hmm. where he starts to get all fucked up from this chaotic emotional thing. Yeah. And then, then they go away and it's sort of like a, a harbinger of him becoming the white lantern. Yeah. The possessor of light. And you know, if you're looking in the idea of energy and color, light white is all the colors combined. Yes. And black is the absence of all color. Mm-hmm. So life is actually the culmination of everything you feel. Yeah. Um, if you want to ever want to crash course in just that general comic book knowledge, go get the graphic novels from your library of Blackest Night. There is a follow-up called Brightest Day, but it's not important to read that. It's not nearly as good. Okay. Black um, yeah, Blackest Night is definitely, that's like a must-to reading if you want that. But then um, I was so obsessed with this. I did a panel for it at any geek expo. No one else was as interested as I is. I was, but me and my friends had like an hour long conversation about it um, that I recorded. It's called the philosophical ramifications of the Green Lantern universe. It's on my YouTube page. If you're not really into this shit nerdy wise, it's boring, but it's how would that apply to our real life? Like what, think about the ideas of what are the core emotions like if you boiled everything down to that, where would the signposts be? Because every emotion is kind of a combination of multiples. And then can you represent them as colors? Sure. There's actually a French philosopher that did at least the studies on like what are the core emotions. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I got a, is Jace? Yeah, I'm there. trying to get him in, but he's not like connecting. Hmm. Jay, Jace, can we hear you at all? Can you hear us? I think he's having connection issues. That's that's our third man that I tell you that's usually late. Um, Aaron's brother. Gotcha. You know it's, oh, I thought I heard something. Um, you know what's funny is I wanted to start this off by like reintroducing the idea of topics because I felt like we really blew our currents last time. And normally it's like, give us your five minute currents. What you up to? And then, but I wanted to leave it with a really loose, like, here's the topic. The topic would have been, Hey, what's your current ideas? What you're thinking about Mm -hmm. like projects or anything like that. And you kind of just did it naturally. Yeah. It it was fun. I liked it. (laughs) It's cool. Um, So I'm just waiting for him to get on and we'll, we'll see what he thinks. But uh, did you see the message from him? Yeah. He's, I see the message. Okay. He's working on it. Gotcha. But unless you have something you want to say, I was going to read that poem I told you about that kind of introduced an idea of God through the filter of a dead friend. Ooh. It's, it's a real short piece. It's more prosy. So I'll get to it. It's called A Friend. It is started by me, but I want it to be completed by one of her other friends. So I think it's incomplete. Gotcha. So it, it's kind of a narrative. Okay. Um, give me one second. Let me pull something up real quick. Yep, whenever you're ready, I'll, I'll start reading it. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, probably freeze right. my thought as I go, but I'm listening. All right. Startled, I jump. I have awoken in a bed. Not mine, I think. But one that might have been an amalgam of all of them. It smells vaguely of lost loves. Hello, Ryan, I hear from the darkness, once again making me jump. Standing in the doorway is a slight young woman. I could have sworn she wasn't there a minute ago. I step towards her. Rather than getting closer, she slowly illuminates more, 
like a dimmer switch and a camera coming into focus simultaneously. Stark realization overwhelms me. I rush over and close the distance in a blink, wrapping my arms around here, tears trailing behind me. They remain suspended in the air as globules of liquid remembrance. Heather, I thought you were gone, that we lost you. I am, and so are you, at least for now. She pries me from her and pushes back into the darkness. Am I dead? Not yet, she says. Are you, you? Sort of, I am the me you remember. Being dead is like this odd, disconnected collection of everyone else's recollection of you. I am what you think I was. The rest of me is in someone else. It's kind of like God. He, she, it, they, or whatever people think they are. Whatever they worship as the divine is. They think therefore are. Is this heaven? No, it's just me. Are you God? We all are, kind of. Look. I need to tell you something, something you've lived your whole life without living, lived with your whole life, without living your whole life. Wake up. And that's where it ends. Okay. Wow. So it's like a vague thing. And that, that was that friend I told you that died at 21. And I want other friends to kind of write their own version of that. Like one, does anything happen after wake up? Two, what would their memory of her have her saying? And that's not even really my memory of her. It's more like me filtering a dead person. Like what would after this be like to her? And it's not really her, it's what I think she is. Okay. And that everything that we think of as God is God. It's, um, if you've ever seen the Neil Gaiman series, American Gods, it's a bit like that. Like what okay. is worshiped is what people think is worthy of worship. And these deities only exist as long as people think they're deities. That's true. Yeah. Um, and like I said, like it actually can be basically whatever we were the were the creators. Um, you know, like how people say, like you know, I'm gonna say this. When we believe that, like this is the afterlife, this is where we want to go. Um, I think it's honestly like ultimately up to us when it comes down to like what we like like what we want to create in this world. Um, you know, we're out here seeking knowledge, and then next thing you know, it's just you know when we die, our spirit, you know, our body gets left behind, but our spirit reconnects, and then we may whatever happens. I think we may reconnect into another body to learn something else to become something else. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's obviously it's something that we can't explain though, but um Ashley pulled up another one of my poems that I have wrote. Um we you know whenever you're ready, I'll go ahead and read that one. Did Josh say anything yet? I just saw him dip out for a second. Um I didn't see him on here. Let me see. Did Josh pop in? I didn't see that. Oh, I saw him like disappear. I know. Jace came in and out. I don't know. No, I didn't notice that. Um, yeah, I was trying to look up the name of a comic. Um, okay, sorry. No, when you were talking about the idea of whatever you think of as God, there's this other really, really good comic um, mm -hmm. about that idea. But I'm going to write Blackest Night. 
I really wanted to look up this other comic really quick. Um, and then I'll focus on you. I wrote it down because I loaned a copy of it to my son's mother. I like getting into one of the fun things and what I think is sexy about her is her intelligence and finding these. I love having these religious debates with her. Mm -hmm. um, I still would love to have them if, you know, she didn't hate me for being years of spiteful. <laughs> I loaned it to her and now I can't remember the damn title of it. Oh, Promethea. Promethea? Oh, God, that is an excellent mindfuck of an existential comic. And it ends just as mindfucky as that is. <laughs> Promethea. Okay. Matter of fact, the last goddamn book of it, you can, every fucking page pulls out into a four page fucking poster comic book Venn diagram kind of a fucking thing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's exceptionally artistic and exceptionally well written. Gotcha. All right, I'm ready to listen whenever you are. All right. So, um, this one's called My Demons. All right. Crushed bones. Deep, uh, down deep, I swallow the pain. Rip up my shame on, and call on my pride. Hate don't justify, don't satisfy demons with them. They know my true name. Torn flesh peeled off this grotesque shell. Destruction and fury coincide. Can't hide the real demon from this mirror I see in me. Promises you can't sleep, that you can't keep. Don't sleep. Terrorize all these toys. They think they're unique, yet you seek attention from me, not knowing these demons don't blink. Burning plastic, showing your truth, dripping in sin like me. Nothing but a joke, a gag, a ragdoll. Arms fell, flail. Not even a smirk, not till they're done with you, the real you, no wax display, feel my hate, eat the pain, I know it's insane, think this mind isn't aware of my claim, I pity you, my demons don't even enjoy you, death can't save you, you don't even know you, sit back, enjoy the soul, show, here's an extra seat, your angel and carcass can have teeth, think twice before you wink. At my demons and me. That's it. Sounds kind of heavy metal. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, friend of mine, Jeff, I read that to him. He was just like, holy fuck, dude. And I'm just like, he's like, who fucked with you? And I was just like, no, no, that one, I just like did. That's um, your response to organized religion? Yeah, pretty much. Like, just, you know, we all have those, you know, that, like I said, we all have that like light and darkness in us and ultimately um it's almost like the uh wolf tale where you know where the kid asks uh which one wins and it's like whichever one you feed the most you know i mean it's you know we have those sides to us that we choose to act upon and if we choose to act upon that's the one who wins for the most part who's dominant um and i don't believe that it's stagnant in any way, shape, or form, there's times when, you know, even the nicest person in the world suddenly becomes mean and an asshole, you know what I mean? It's, but whether that's not necessarily good or bad, that's just the person that's different aspects of his personality. You know, whether or not we choose to act upon it is entirely up to ourselves. We are our own creators. Um, and that's where, 
when I made when I wrote that one, I was just like somebody who, you know, like our, I remember my ex. She told me she was like, oh, you know, I have to. She's very, very Roman Catholic. God, this, God, that, God, this, God, that, and it used to it drove me nuts whenever she used to sit there and blame God for the stupid shit she did. Like she's one of those type of people that will go to church on Sunday and drink and just be a hoe the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah, you um, know what I mean. <laughs> I I come from this small town of Madison that has as many churches as they do bars on every corner. So I've got this old redneck joke that is, you might be from Madison if you stumble out of a bar on Saturday night and fall into a church on Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and that's where. Um, a lot of times I remember, um, and this is the hilarious part, um, I actually got into an argument with her over what is classified as meat. Her excuse was um, because she said that they aren't allowed to eat meat. I forget exactly um, what reason why it was for Roman Catholic. I didn't look, I didn't look into it. I forget exactly when we had that argument. Um, but she swear up and down fish and shrimp were not meat. She said, you know, we're out because, and her reasoning was that the church said it was okay to eat it. That was one wall I hit with my ex um, about the Christian arguments is that we would have these arguments and her proof would be, hey, so it said this in the Bible here, here, and here. And I'm like, well, how do you know that's an accurate reflection of God's word? Like people wrote that. Yes. And she's like, yeah, but it was verified by blank, blank, blank people. And I'm like, right. But people are fallible and people lie on purpose. But she's like, well, then how Thank would you, you know anything is true? If that's your concept is that everyone is always going to be constantly lying. I'm like, well, they will for religious sakes. And yes, that's the point. Everybody is fallible. Nothing yes. that you believe as constant and absolute could be. And they can't accept it. She got so pissed off that she stopped having these arguments with me. That was the death of those fun little conversations. Yeah. is because That's I told her that everything you could bring up as proof is suspect because it was written by human. Even if this was God speaking to humans, which even the Bible says cannot directly do so, which the Catholic mm -hmm. Church used as a way to raise money. Because we have to be your intermediary, which not an original concept. Pagans and animal worships were doing that for years. So that you could pay them tribute. Yep. But and also most of your practices are like, hey, we're absorbing cultural elements of other pagan religions and concepts so that we can get more recruits. Well then yeah. how the fuck do you know what is truly what is God's intention and word if you're absorbing what is supposedly non-godly to get more members? Yes. And, and, I, and I liked the idea that it was fallible. I just loved having the conversation. Yes. And that's the thing about it is that I enjoyed the conversations as well because, you know, it wasn't, you know, we would have an argument. We would like have a conversation. We would converse about it. And when she got so defensive because she felt like I was trying to change her views, change the way she is, and it was simply I don't agree with you. I well, simply did, did not agree with her in it. That's and one thing. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I found with diehard Christians, is that they assume you're doing what they're doing. You're not trying to change your opinion. Whereas 
it's one of their tenets of their religion to try to change yours. Like you need to be saved by them. Yes. Yes. And, and it's really hard for them to understand that there are people who don't have that as their life motivation. And they really, really think that it's super important they save you because you're going to rot in hell forever. Whereas yes. it's hard for them to understand people that don't think that way. And many of these people are only that wired that way because they were indoctrinated since birth. Yes. And, and my son is that way too. And I'm, I'm concerned when he gets older because we've already had a few like daddy's going to hell conversations. And, and that's fine, but he's still young enough to love me to death for giving him lots of toys. That's true. true. Um, and that's another thing too, though, because even some people who were brought up, you know, obviously Christian and they're devout, devout Christians, there are times even them, they themselves don't even believe it. And they know it. They know it because there's times when me and her had conversations and stuff. Um, and she would sit there and say something off the wall that was against her religion, but it's okay because she said it. But if I say it, it's no, 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 no. You can't, you, no, 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 no. But I'm like, but you just said this and that has nothing to do with what's in the Bible, but it's okay for them to say it. And my son's mother lived in constant anxiety because one, well, you're going to sin. There's no way to avoid the sin, but you have to kind of have penance for it and believe in God and ask him for forgiveness. So you can't always live perfectly. That's impossible, but you can always try to come back to God. And she was one of the tenets of her faith was no sex before marriage. So she was a 32 year old virgin when I met her and, you know, a decade of being alone and then working at a restaurant on Valentine's day Here's this other guy in kind of a divorced situation. She knew me and my ex-wife. We all worked at the same place. Um, here's this guy that's more than willing to do something to quell that and has expressed interest in her. And she shot me down. But I asked her out and she said no. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to continue to look at your butt from behind. Um, I didn't tell her that part. But she already knew. Uh but, you know, we got together and fooled around and made out on Valentine's Day. And eventually she lost her virginity to me. Well, then a year after doing that, she was pregnant. And she lived in constant anxiety of that and has kind of put some of that on my kid that his birth was a mistake. She, he's a little young to have already had the sex conversation. Not at eight, probably fine enough. But she's had this conversation with him for years. So he's a little young to understand it and thinks that he's a mistake sometimes. Yeah. See, um, that's but In our relationship off and on, it would be me that would always desire sex with her. And it wasn't that she wasn't desirable. It's that she felt guilt for doing it. Yeah. I mean, I always had her consent for sex, but she didn't want to be a person having sex outside of marriage. And when my answer to that was, yeah. okay, I'll marry you, her answer was, oh, I can't marry you. And among many reasons, my personality sure played a big factor in that. But of many reasons, this too is I'm not Christian. And she couldn't see herself see, marrying a man that wasn't Christian. See, but that's where I ran into that before. Um, if you're going to continue to have sex and feel guilty for it, 
with a guy, you might as well just marry him anyway <laughs> so that you can stop living in sin. Thank you. Because you you're going to have really good sex. Yeah, it, it's that's another thing too. Because like, okay, um, I remember this uh, one girl I used to talk to. She was, um, she was obviously, you know, she was Christian. I'm talking about she was homeschooled, brought up, mom, dad. That's it. That's all she. Knows. Dear Lord, that's a sheltered life. Oh my goodness, so sheltered. She's, I think she's like. Like a thing like a year older than me, okay. And here's the hilarious part about it was that she straight up believes I'm talking about believes that you gotta go to church, you gotta do this, all this stuff, right? And she was like, you know, I talked about it, I was just like, well, you know, and we were just having a conversation about this, didn't mean anything serious. I just said, you know, when you know, Tom comes, obviously. Where would you like to, I asked her, I was like, where would you like to live at? That's one of my main questions is, okay, where would you like to live at? And where would you like, what kind of house you would want? All kinds of stuff. I like talking about those things because if I sit here and say that I want to have a small cottage and it's just real simple, basic life, and you want a fucking mansion, we're going to clash. We're going to clash. Or you say you want to live in a nice hot climate where I'd rather live somewhere that's just cold. Or temperate. Temperate, you know, just temperate. You know, I don't want to be around all the, like, Florida or my, like, you know, or, or Oof, Georgia. I am not a goddamn lizard. Thank you. Okay. I don't want to live in a goddamn old desert. I, I'm cool. You know, like, it's okay. But if she's that tight, we're going to clash. Because right. we're, we're, I want to be happy and I want that other person to be happy. That's the main thing about it. If you're not happy with me, you know, feel free to go towards the door that way preferably don't run into the wall and put it in it um so but that was the topic that she and i was talking about and she felt offended by it now granted she made the assumption that i should know what her religion is and what her beliefs and morals and values are of course i'm christian because why wouldn't i be isn't everybody isn't that the only right way Yes, everybody is a Christian in this perfect, shiny, rainbow, and butterfly world. Oh, Christ, and naivety. Lady, you're 42. Why are you so fucking naive? Thank you, okay? And I was just <laughs> like, she, here, here's the irony of it. She has a degree in psychology. <laughs> yes. I was just like, wait, hold up. You have a degree in psychology. And you don't understand how people's minds work? Yes. So Thank you. That was the irony of it, though. But I found out afterwards, though, um, after the conversation, and she felt so offended. And I'm like, what do you mean? She was like, now, no, I brought her over, like, the one time. I was like, hey, you you can come over to my place um, the one time. And she was fine with coming over. But when it came to coming over to her place, she was like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I felt kind of offended. I'm like, well, then just when I stop, I'm like, well, you, I don't want her over to my place if I can't come over to your place type thing. Did she live with her parents? No. She lived in her own apartment with her three cats that her parents don't know about. <laughs> yeah. Are her parents paying for it? No, she is. Um, then why would she actually it matter? Why, I found out why her mom was actually pissed off at her because she used her mom's credit card and spent $3,000 on fixing and taking care of her like medical bills for her for her cats 
and <laughs> I'm without her permission. Go figure. Um, and I'm like, wait, hold on. That's one of the basic things of respect towards parents that I learned of, you know, growing up old fashioned. Um, you don't take their mother or parents' credit cards or use their money without their permission to do things that are selfish. Yep. So that's another story of things like that's where she would do things that were contradictive, uh, that were contradicting her morals and values. You know, she would say like, you know, you can't like the whole sex before marriage and all all this stuff. But yet she was real quick for DTF. And I was like, wait, hold on a second. Like even me myself, I was like, hold on a second. You know, I'm not in for one eye stands. I don't like having. Well, I'm not going to sit there and like have sex with somebody I didn't know. That's just me personally, like right off rip, because the way I look at it is I need to get to know whether or not this person's actually cool. You know, if I want a one night stand, I just go have a one night stand. It's real quick and easy. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to look into that person's personality. It's simple as go to the bar, look at some dumb broad that just wants to have or like have sex and do that. That's like past. You know, I've been past that type of age for me. Um, but she was DTF. I'm like, hold up. Didn't you? Just tell me that your parents are Christian, that you, and she's 30 years old, I think she was like 31 or 32, and saying all these things, but yet doing something else, you know, and then she got offensive, she's like, you know, we can't be together until we're married, and I'm like, well, do you tell me we can't live in the same place until we're married? She says, yeah, we get kicked out of my church. They'd get kicked out of your church if they found out you were having sex. Thank you. And then, yeah, and then she was, like, saying about, like, what her dad, she was, like, um, my, I was, like, um, you know, she told me about her dad, and she was, like, oh, my dad, see, he, um, he had, I have to get, she has to get permission to date somebody from her dad. I was just, like, wait, what? I was, like, hold up, you, but you're already talking about, like, going on, like, stuff like right now like and she was like i know don't worry about it i'm like i'm a little worried about it (laughs) yeah you don't worry about it but yet you're offended by all these things and i'm just like okay so it's okay for you to do these things but it's not okay for you to do these things and the one time she had a drink um and i remember her saying she was like oh even i you know sometimes i don't even feel like a christian some days And I tried to actually reiterate on that. I was like, excuse me. And she was just like, nothing, nothing. I'm just like, she's just, just, just random thoughts and things like that. And I'm just sitting there, I'm just like, but yet all you can think about is Disney things and things like that. And she was singing Disney songs and stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I don't really get all the Disney references. I've watched Disney movies and things like that in the past, like, you know, Flubber, things like that. And I'm just like, but then she'll turn around and freaking play some metal music. And I'm like, but then if I played metal music, it was too dark for her and unreligious like. She judges herself yeah. by a different set of standards than everyone else? You mean like yes. that general Christian judgmentalness? Yes. Like, go fuck yourself. Right. You're no better than me. Your religion does not make you better than me. Thank you. And I'm like, just because I lack religion and you don't understand anything about me, I mean, you do realize that I love and hate myself at the same time, and I'm perfectly fine with that. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, that's where I, um, what was that buddy of mine, Jeff, um, we talked about it, but he's 
uh, he's Roman Catholic, and he says he chooses not to go to church anymore. And I was like, why? And he said, because if you tell me that these are the rules, that this is our religion, and this is what we're supposed to follow, why would you conform just so you can get more followers? The whole gay marriage and all this shit. And then we found out the Pope was like, yes, you know, gay marriage is good, and so on and so forth. He says, nope, I'm done. He's like, no. He left because, because of gay marriage? I think because of the gay marriage thing and whatnot. It's a, he says he's fine with it, you know what I mean? He doesn't, but he feels that if you're going to be in this religion, okay, and he questions those things too. You know, he's, you know, Roman Catholic. Um, he still, we can actually have conversations about stuff, um, open conversations about religion, unlike the other Christians I've spoken with. Um, to where we literally will have, like, for instance, um, about the whole Bible situation. How Jesus, like, why is it that they, there's a timeline that they skipped with Jesus Christ? Like, you would think his adult year, like his middle age years, would be very important because that's where he's going, changing from a child. Yeah, what, isn't there like actually some stories that didn't get put in the Bible, like uh, scrolls of Nazareth or something? I think so. Yeah, I, yeah Kevin like Smith makes mention of it in Dogma. Mm-hmm. He said it, that that's it, the period where he was a being a human and figuring shit out. Yes, that's what me and Jeff talked about. Because he says he has a, a, an idea about it. He says he feels that, you know, there was a point in time because you have to think about it. Um, he said Jesus was a combination of God a perfect being and an imperfect being. He was a human, but he was also like he was imperfect, he was perfect. And here it is. It was like he feels that he was like, oh shit, Jesus realized that he's human. He has these human emotions inside of him and he needed to figure shit out. So he went around and traveled and they don't want to write that because they want to see Jesus as this perfect being that he's all perfect and he's this, but in actuality he was perfectly imperfect. They don't want to see him as human. They want him to be seen as God. Yes. And that's where it's like, you know, where like he says, he was like, honestly, they believe that God, like Jesus, went around and he did some crazy ass shit. He was being human. He There's probably a reason he knew all those thieves and hookers. Yes, they're exactly. That's where he says he met some of them. He spent some time. He was going around being human. And they that would be a great to- comic book. I would love that actually. There was oh, well, there's a ton of these like antichrist stories or post-apocalypse stories of like the wastelands after the apocalypse or Judas. There's even a few. There's even a few manga and Korean manga about mm-hmm. Judas and him living his life as a marked man. Or even Cain and Abel stories, but like mm-hmm. those characters put into modern times or after some apocalypse. I would love to see it about the supposed perfect person and him being imperfect. I want to yeah. see the comic about the years of him going to brothels and gambling dens and getting drunk and being a teenager and, you know, sleeping with the shepherd's daughter next door because, I mean, why is he always referred to as a shepherd if he was a carpenter? Maybe he spent time working as a shepherd when he ran away from home. Yeah. I mean, he maybe, maybe it was, was literal, just... not just like a metaphor. Yeah. You know, he actually traveled. And was just like, you know what? I'm just going to be a hobo, in a sense. You know, just traveling. Well, and he, getting to know he sh- according to his stories, yeah, he sure had a lot of experience with the undesirables. 
Yeah. Yeah. He seemed to be pretty comfortable in that world. And also, yeah. if you make a comic book, please don't make him white. No, actually. Make um, him Middle Eastern. Like, he's not black. He's, thank he's you. brown. He's brown. Thank you. He had, okay, he had, his hair was of sheep's wool, okay? His hair was curling. It wasn't knotted up. It wasn't straight. And, and he was freaking, he was like what? Almost like he was Egyptian, okay? He even the Anglo names we know for all those fucking uh, apostles were changed three times. Even in the Bible, they said when they became an apostle, their name was changed to something more Anglo. But even the name they were referred to before that is another change of a name that was something Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. That's so, yes. Like, Make him they, some Middle Eastern man. You can do black and white manga if you really want to get fancy about it, but don't draw him looking like fucking like the Ubermensch from some Nazi propaganda. <laughs> and then don't draw him as like some just African dark figure like that. Also no, that's not accurate. No, it's not. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it drives me nuts in that aspect where it's like they try to go on opposite spectrums and completely change who that that reality is. If just you like, want to prove to us he was real by all these historical documents that could likely point to at least a person named Jesus existed. Whether or not he did all that shit, you probably can't prove. Yes. But if you want to prove that the man existed historically, make that part of it historically accurate too. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and it's, I mean, granted, we're talking about a comic book where you're making up years of his life that we don't know about, but I'm betting you can get a lot of reference from these scrolls of Nazareth and a few other things, the Dead Sea Scrolls or whatever they had claimed had been those missing years of his life. And I talked true. to uh, my son's mother about this too, because she's more of a scholar and she leans towards the scientific side, despite being Christian, which is what made the conversations fun. Yeah, um, yeah. She likes to cite, like, here's the historical where that's been checked. And the reason those other stories weren't put into King James is they didn't want to put any stories in that weren't historically provable. The ones they put in there had some kind of other evidence to back it up. And I'm like, I'll, agree, I'll come with you halfway on that. I'll agree that there were a shit ton of scholars that did their damnedest to go, well, these stories we can prove. But you are exceptionally naive if you don't think there was an aristocracy and a bit of like, well, we can't put that story in even if proven because it disproves this, because it yeah. contradicts this. You're exceptionally naive if you don't at least take like the middle road on that one and say, humans made choices in that matter too. And they excluded some things that could have been proven or at least yeah. historically verified by several different credible sources. Like you're writing a term sure. paper. Yeah, and that's another thing too though. My um anthropology professor, um, I think you remember him, um, over at Kent State in Ashtabula. Um, when he mentioned, he was like, you know, history, it's exactly as I said, it's his story. Whatever's left over, I mean, you can spin it however you want it. I mean, and there's always that cliched saying that history is written by the winners. That's true. So, I mean, there's a whole shitload of the story we might not know. Yes. Like, um, I, Christopher Columbus in the last 20 years, right? Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Like, he discovered America for Europe. America had already been discovered, sure, but what became the culture of the United States wouldn't exist without his discovery. So there's that important part, but he was human and he did a lot of fucked up shit too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really fucked up shit. But so did the Spanish conquistadors who were responsible for the culture that is Mexico now because it's a mix of Spanish and Aztec and Mayan. 
Mm -hmm. And see, that's where it's like. And of course, a few pirates in the mix. <laughs> the Caribbean islands had got some pirate blood mixed in there because they went over there and probably fucked a lot. I'm sure they did. I mean, they pulled okay, I mean, what else would you do if you're pillaging and raping a society? Someone's getting pregnant. Yes. And I'm pretty sure they didn't invent condoms during that time. No. <laughs> and then when I they got be... set up as ports for merchants to sit there, there were hookers there. Oh, you know they had fun. Yeah, I mean, right. You're going to be leaving anyways. Who cares? <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it, it's, and that's another reason also, like, why I enjoy, like, um, you know, Vikings, um, stories about Vikings, because, one, they kept it simple, okay? It was just as simple as, look, we're just going to sell, enjoy ourselves, and pillage, and just fucking, hey, we're going to fuck, and we're going to kill, and we're going to leave. Let's go somewhere else. I mean, they, it, were, it, it, they were the like pirate no uh, airbenders of our world. <laughs> they were oh without the more without the morals of the air nomads. Yes, you know, and it it was just like, and that's why you know I just enjoy just the I'm gonna say this the honesty in it. You know, there's no try to hide this or anything yeah, like no that. one's ever pretended that vikings were good people no but it, we it, didn't have to and they were probably had a reason to help vilify them when the church came up because many true. of the early societies were populated by a combination of celtic and irish well western societies celtic and irish barbarians and what was left of vikings that decided to settle mm -hmm. which became part of the germanic tribes which overtook britain and all the other shit during the dark ages yeah and exactly. most of Europe is comprised of a combination of that and whatever the fuck Genghis Khan did in Asia. Oh my goodness, Genghis Khan. That guy fucked everything. Yes. There's a significant <laughs> portion of the population that's got him and his kids' blood in them. Yes. Genghis Khan, he left his legacy everywhere. He's, he's the original Nympho warrior. Yes. And I'm pretty sure he enjoyed every single last drop. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he did until he had kids. I heard there's some story about what became the fall of Genghis Khan's dynasty was his children. They couldn't, they couldn't continue the legacy of, that he had. Yeah. I mean, he was the one that started it, and it was just like, yeah, okay, good luck. <laughs> his kids were, too, more interested in having, like, structural territories and uh, mm -hmm. other such, like, rootedness. Mm -hmm. and so it was, um, oh, actually, this was, the idea I thought about. Um, speaking of which, when you when you mentioned about Jesus, um, a character idea I had um, is actually one of the original characters I had is a character who are, just imagine a world where okay, that there's two like supreme beings, one being the goddess of life and unity, like goddess of life and um, I guess like unity, and then there was the god of chaos and destruction. Okay, and they were both polar opposites. And what ended up happening was they ended up like I guess falling in love with each other in a sense, where they suddenly had a child, and they had like you know kids or whatever they created life and everything. And suddenly, but they had a child between each other, 
and that was something that was forbidden amongst all the other gods. They were the supreme gods, all the other little gods that they had that they created, um, almost like their children, that was like forbidden because they were polar opposites. He had his, and then suddenly he ended up becoming a fallen god, and she ended up losing her powers, and they both kind of both fell, and she lost her powers. They all ended up on Earth. He ended up becoming Satan. She ended up becoming Pandora. And their child that they had, which is both, um, she gave birth, like, when he became, um, well, not necessarily they had a child, but they fell for each other, and then they ended up losing their powers. Him became fallen, known as Satan, and her, she ended up becoming known as Pandora. He found her as Satan, impregnated her, and then suddenly they had a child, which was partially human, part God, and part, like, devil, in a sense. Mm. And it's almost like this something that happens where she uses her powers and he gets sealed away in a box and then years down the road kind of like in modern society that box kind of and it kind of like suspends that child in time so that child ends up growing up among society um in an orphanage and then you know gets adopted and eventually he basically grows up and he his powers kind of starts coming to age and he's almost like the perfect balance of the unity of light and darkness because of like light destruction rebirth all those combined into one and he's almost like a balancer and he gets hunted down by like angels and demons because they see his birth as an abomination but because he's been locked away for so long that part of history kind of gets like you know race swept away and now in like current society where you know you got christianity and all that stuff there's kind of like in a sense myths and um they have like a they think this is how the world works um and but this is the reality of it and the full horsemen of the apocalypse were the original gods who stole and um basically defeated and conspired against the original goddess and the original like in him um then kind of like a like a, a pseudo like a different version of a god in a sense or a temple um but not devil in the sense of evil, just that's almost like the opposite of a god, and that was a supreme being. Um, and that child's name is actually Lucifer. Instead of it being Satan, actually Lucifer being this individual. Um, and then he kind of grows up in society, and his powers are coming too, and the four horsemen of the apocalypse actually come and hunt him down. And he actually has to make a choice whether or not to save, um, you know, the human society and actually bring balance to everything or choose to just destroy everything. Hmm. I mean, this, actually that got also a, sounds like a comic book. I know. That's why I was just like thinking about making that into a comic book um, to where it's um, almost like this, this entity that should not exist was created and it was out of fear because of the mass potential that it can create where it's almost like, you know, humans having childs by, you know, angels and things like that. And there's like this hierarchy. Um, and it's almost like, you know, the original, you know, God in Christianity isn't the benevolent God that they perceive it to be. That's actually one of the four horsemen who conspired. He helped conspire to bring about the fall of his mother, the Lucifer's mother and his father. Um, and then as time goes on, he finds out that um, 
his mother and father are actually still alive. They've just been sealed away. Um, his mother been sealed away, and his father, Satan, is still alive, but he's known as the devil. And he's not actually evil. But he's been brought up to think, you know, through Christianity, through all these religions, that Satan is actually evil when actually that's his father. I kind of like throwing in a twist, too, that like Jesus and Lucifer are brothers or even half brothers. Actually, I did think about that aspect that they are half brothers. That, um, because Pandora was, I would say, the four horsemen um, were actually, yeah, like almost like his uncles. His uncles I know Lilith is considered to be the mother of all demons, so you could always use her as the second mother. Same fathers, different That's mothers. Or, yeah. or you could, you want to really go effed up? It's Eve, or maybe Lilith and Eve are the same person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that would work. Um, hmm. And then, like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, they're kind of like his his um, aunts and uncles, um, and then Jesus. There you go. Like, like Eve, Eve slash Lilith's brothers. Yeah. They're super protective of her. Are the four horsemen? Yeah. So and there's then, some like, thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Jesus is actually not this, you know, benevolent, good person that everybody tries to make him out to be in the Bible. He's actually pretty, like, childish. Not childish, but um, in a sense, he's... You know, he's a selfish he, human. Yeah, he's a selfish human. You know, he puts a smile in his... Uh, he'll smile in your face, but do different things behind your back. Like, wait, hold on a second. You just... You know what I mean? And then it comes like to Like a little out. bit like a con man? Yes, like a con man, you know? And then some of the things thought of as miracles was some of his cons? Yes, where he said, oh, you're all drinking wine. And in actuality, actually, he just did a little thing or whatever. Almost like, a, in a sense, a, a different version of Loki. Okay. Like a different, more, um, a, yeah, like a different version of Loki, only instead of like illusions, he just plays trick. Like he doesn't just play... Like you're at create illusions. No, he actually just tries to con people. Yeah. Um, so he, so he's the trickster who's constantly fucking with people, and people adore him. Lucifer's the one who's constantly trying to prove he's the good son. Yes, he's actually proving he's the good son. He um, was supposedly born evil. The other was born good, and they're both kind of proven the other way. Yes, and then um, I like the like for instance, um, you ever see the show Lucifer? I haven't actually. I should. It I don't is, sit still long enough to watch TV often. Well, I'll say this. I love the portrayal of Lucifer in the series, and I love that they're going to do a season finale for it because it shows that, one, um, I don't know if you know the summary of it, though, but basically Lucifer is tired of being painted as the bad guy, and he's tired of running hell, so he goes to Earth with his uh, psychic, basically his demon, uh, and he goes to Earth, and he wants to enjoy it. He wants to enjoy Earth. He loves being around humans. He makes deals with people. Um, he, you know, he's being the devil, but he's on earth. He's like, I'm tired of running hell. Okay, I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. I want to go on vacation. I want to have fun. So he's there. He meets this detective, and he finds out that he likes to help solve crimes with the detective and bringing people to justice, giving them their due deserve. Okay, and it paints Lucifer, and I love the aspect where it's not just you know, in a sense where you, you, they make it out to that God is in control of everything, when in the reality, he gives everybody choices. Yes, it's, and I mean, God the... Gives every, 
the founding fathers of our country were more deists than they were Christian in that they believed in a non-intervening God and that God set everything in motion and then walked away and said, free choice, man. So what happens here now is on you guys. Yes, you do what you want to do. You become what you want to become. And people sit there and point blame. Even Lucifer sits there and says, my father this, my father that. He kind of like tries to deny it. He says, I'm evil. You know, he's on this, this. He's like, who are you trying to hear yourself? Basically. You know how you have to sit there and say, oh, I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. They're trying so hard to prove something. And reality is like, okay, who are you trying to prove? Me or yourself? Like, who are you trying to convince? Me or yourself? And then it comes to a point where, you know, he, he gets his wings. He doesn't have his double face anymore. And he's thinking this. He sits there and tries to blame other people or God. He's like, why did you give me these wings? Why did you do this? He tries to cut his wings off. And then in reality, he actually just changed himself. He manifested himself because, you know, he still had his basic, you know, personality where he can bring up your innermost desires. That was his gift. That's what he was born with. But who he was as an individual angel, you know, he ended up changing because of the choices and decisions he made. Um, and it wasn't just, you know, humans that he gave to, he gave it to just with Gabriel. Gabriel, um, he was in there, and he had the ability to stop time, but because of the confliction, like, you know, within himself, he lost his wings. He felt like he, what he had to do. He didn't feel like he was self-deserving of a lot of stuff. Going through conflicted emotions in himself, where he started becoming more and more human, you know. And all of a sudden, when something tragic happened, it was just like boom. He changed, and he got his wings back. He was able to stop time, and then that's when he finally understood. It was just like, oh wow, you know, God isn't in control of everything. We are in control of everything because we're in control of our own destiny. He literally gave us freedom to do whatever we want. You know what I mean? Whether it brings about the destruction of the world or whether it, you know, brings about anything, whatever the apocalypse, it doesn't matter. It's entirely up to us to decide we're the creators. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, I, I love the take on it instead of just, oh, Lucifer's the devil, he's evil, he's this and this and this. It, it, there was an even ep episode where he was, um, he was meeting up some Satanists. He's like, he was crashing the Satanist thing or whatever. Um, and he was just like, oh, um, like, uh, what was it? He was just like, what, what is this? You're cutting the head off a chicken? And he's like, what is this? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, he, like, this isn't about this. And it was just, it was an interesting table. Um, hmm? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I have to. I have to. I have to uh, give my props to the writers on that one because I like seeing that aspect of it, where it's not just you know black or white when it comes down to things. It wasn't just this religious show. Um, it's actually legit, and I think it's got. They had a few black backlash. Um, like my one ad, she said, "Oh, I'm, I'm not going to watch that. That's that's evil. That's evil. That's this and this and this." You're watching a and show called Lucifer, and you think that's the evil part? Thank you. Thank you. She was like, I wouldn't watch that. That's and so on and so forth. You know, you, you uh, like, uh, what was it? What was it? What was it she used to say? Um, you're you're not um connected to God like I am. You know, yeah, I'm just like, what? That's an elitist statement right there. 
yeah, you're not you're not close with God like I am. Um, have you ever heard the phrase, um, what was it, God got me? No. Oh, my goodness. It's, I would say this, that's one of the ghettoest statements I've ever heard. Almost, like, competitive, like, I would say if there was, like, a top tier five, like, a top five, that would be, like, gunning for, like, number one right now um, that I've been hearing from a lot of, like, predominantly these ghetto women. Um, they would just sit there and say, God got me, God got me. I'm like, huh? Basically, what you're saying is, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter because you're saying that God got you, God has your back, or something. I don't know. It's it's, it's an interesting. It's, it's turned a lot of people off to religion. Is the hypocrisy of the statement is that you're okay to do whatever the hell you want because you can go and repent for it. Yes. Shouldn't the message be don't do bad the things bad things? Yes. As opposed to doing them and thinking you can get away with it. It's like Catholics trying to buy indulgences for doing things they're not allowed to. Thank you. Just because you're rich, you're allowed to buy your way out of your moral obligations? Yeah. Um, huh? That doesn't make any sense. What happened to you just genuinely trying to be um, you know, a decent person in life? You, know, you try to aspire to a uh, decent it's more of just being who you are and hoping up hoping for the best you know what i mean it's what happened to learning and changing to better benefit um and basically surviving you know um that was actually i don't know if you remember a girl named tatiana at kent state uh um, yeah she was weird though <laughs> she was yeah she she was um, Emiliano's sister. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've ever, ever told you the time I went up to see them um, during Christmas. They had they an odd family. Up. Huh? They, from what I could tell, they had an odd family. Yes. Very, very odd. Um, give me one sec. I'm going to use the restroom real quick. I'll be right back. Um, and then I'll let you, I'll tell you what happened with that little situation. Okay. Cause that was, you might like this aspect of it. There's, um, a woman who was very interesting at Kent state, very religious that had an interesting experience, but I'll be right back. All right. Okay. So, um, basically what happened was they invited me to come down and I was like, cool. Right. You know, I had a crush on her. Thought she was cute and everything. And her grandmother was cool. She wanted me to come down and. I was like, all right, so I go there. Um, there was a very tall uh, black woman who I've seen, and she was there with her. And the only men was there were Ian and Emiliano. And it was grandmother and her mom, tall black woman and her dog. Long story short, I don't know what happened, but she, the black woman found out that I wasn't religious. And she was just like, hold up. All of a sudden, she was like, you're, you know, she was talking about it. And she, I cannot leave here until she was convinced that I was saved. Okay. Meliano immediately went into his room, closed the door. And I would just say this. I was surrounded by females trying to convince me. They said, even in the, uh, even Tatiana's mom, she was just like, well, how do you know Abraham Lincoln was a real person? 
you never met him. So how do you know Jesus wasn't a real person? And my whole thing was, was, okay, I may not have met that person, like obviously in person, but what does that have to do with my, like, my beliefs? It shouldn't matter. What matters is you look at the context and I told him, I was like, you look at the context of the Bible, I don't take it for facts. I look at the information and I learn from it. Okay, just like I read all the books, it's a book of knowledge. Okay, but it's been written by humans, so it's riddled with flaws. Okay, and I should not take it, oh, this is this and this as 100% true facts that can't change. And you just the way that the black woman said is she said it's imagine to Walmart and not having your reason. You'd rather have your receipt when you go to return your product that you bought. You'd rather have your receipt than not have it. That's how she said, all I have to do is accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That was the description and the example that she put. I was like, huh? And she was like, yes, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you will be saved. Cleanses you of all sins. He gave his life for this and this and this. And the first thought that went through my head was, well, if that's the case, then I need to go get the receipt from every single religion just to save my ass, just in case. I'm going to go get my receipt for Christianity. Um, I'm going to go get my receipt for... Well, and um, then having one from another cancels out another. Yeah. Um, I'm like... What if I'm not shopping at Walmart? What if I'm shopping at Kmart? I mean, if it was still here, or what if I was shopping at, I don't know, all of these are safe a lot. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm already legend. so I, <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like, she said, you would rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And I'm like, are you giving me like an umbrella reference right now? Like, because I used to say that a lot when my dad said, you know, I'd rather have my umbrella and it starts raining and have it, you know, and not need it when it's a sunny day. And I'm like, what? You know what I mean? It's just the analogy that she gave right there and how I was surrounded by all them. I was like, that was an interesting experience on that right there. Um, that was where I was just like, and I just said this. Just for argument's sake, because I was surrounded by females, and they literally would not let me out of the house. They actually closed the door without letting me out. Um, I was just like, okay, I don't want to start an argument with anybody. Yes, I said Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I had my hands crossed on the back. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's just like college. I said to my Lord and Savior. I could take the phone call to my grandmother, who was a Christian, just to get out of it. She was not convinced. I think the phone call to my grandmother. And I had to back in tears and pretended like I was crying. She's like, oh, she's about to speak time to go. I rode on my bike there. <laughs> so it was, it was a crazy experience, I have to say. Um, but yeah, a, um, you had any little experiences like that? Not like that, but this in terms of someone 
who really was trying their damnedest to actually make you to try to get you to think like they did um yeah i try to deflect that or i come up with the arguments and usually babble them to exhaustion um <laughs> we're actually running up on kind of the end of my availability for tonight sure so i have since we've been talking kind of this religious shit i got this thing i wrote a while back it's called lord's temple basement men that's actually reversing it isn't but it's the uh the first story I wrote for what's eventually going to become that analog renaissance book. Um, it's one of my jigsaws where I took quotes from poetry readings and a whole bunch of other places and then strung them together into a quasi-religious ceremony. Oh, shit. Sort of like a gathering of people that just kind of discuss gospel from multiple religions and what is mm -hmm. spirituality and no one is of one sect or another. They're just kind of having mm -hmm. this debate. Um, and there's one line I use in every version of it that I kind of want to end this with, and then I'm just going to end the meeting abruptly. Gotcha. I feel like it'd be a good ending. Um, in the beginning, there was only the word, a word, and then more, which were collected into a story, the story. And from the story came creation, and then came the questions. And the question was man. Who are we? What are we? Why? Who am I? 